Welcome to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams and VoiceOver Insider Editor Gary McFadden. I'm so glad you tuned in to our VoiceOver Insider Podcasts, where we bring VoiceOver Insider information directly to you. You can sign up to be notified every time we've got a new free podcast or other insider information regarding voiceovers at voiceoverinsider.com. I'm Julie Williams. Karen DeBoer is living her dreams as a full-time voiceover artist from her home studio in Lincoln, Nebraska, where she serves clients around the globe. In addition to voiceover, Karen has done extensive work in on-camera and has served as a teacher and mentor for individuals seeking to pursue a career in the talent industry. Karen and her husband have four grown kids who live all over the world, so Karen, with all the travel opportunities and the flexible scheduling that often comes with full-time voiceover, I'm sure a lot of folks envy you because, you know, you probably have the freedom to, like, travel the world anytime you want to. Uh, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> How do you reconcile the freedom you get with voiceovers mm -hmm. with the need to make a living? You know, it's interesting because as I was listening to Bo, um, my story is so much different from his uh, and yours, really, Julie, because I didn't come from a radio background. I worked my way up from the trenches just literally um, from scratch and, and didn't have any prior contact. So for me, the beauty of this thing, and I'm just going to be real honest about it, um, I'm not the main breadwinner in my family, and so I have the luxury of not having the pressure to, um, although I would say the income I'm making is, is certainly akin to a full-time income and could right. potentially you know, um, fit that bill. But because I don't have that, that pressure, it really does, it, it, my story is quite a bit different. But that being said, um, you know, you spend what you have. And so what we've been able to do with the income that I make, now I'm not sure we could do without it. And, um, you know, we, we have been able to use it for things like traveling to see our children. In fact, we just got back from Germany, and I'm so grateful that I did have that ability to, to leave when I wanted to. But the other side of the coin is that when I came back, I had about six projects waiting for me, and everybody wanted it done yesterday. Mm -hmm. And you know, so so when you take a vacation, you know, you have to think about, okay, what's going to happen when I come back? And there's always there's always that downside. So, you know, yeah, people envy me until they find out the full story, and then they realize <laughs> that you know what, there is there is another side to everything that looks wonderful. Did you have a day job before you went to full-time voiceover? Or, uh, and then if you did, how did your husband feel about making the transition? Mm -hmm. Yes, well, what happened was I was blessed to be able to raise our four children full-time during those years. But then there was about a three-and-a-half-year period when they were growing up where um, I was required to go to work full-time just for our family to make ends meet. And I worked three-and-a-half years in a wonderful position, in other words, yeah, you know, I was an office manager for a medical clinic, lovely surroundings, and, and from the 8 to 5 perspective, it was a wonderful opportunity, but it wasn't long before I realized I felt like a caged bird, and I was extremely unhappy reporting to work, um, reporting to someone else to ask when I could go to my kids' functions, etc. and I think that's when the light bulb went on for me. I realized, I think I have an ability to make an, a, a decent income using my voice, doing the things that I love, and I need to do whatever it takes to make that happen. So my husband, 
bless his heart, has always been very supportive of any pursuit. And I've had plenty of them, and, and I have to say I'm sure there's signs that he kind of behind my back rolled his eyes, but he knew I'm the type of person that just needs to be able to go for it and jump in with both feet. And so that's exactly what I did. I said, you know, I think I think I can do this. Are you, you know, willing to let me try? And um, not like I needed his permission, but it's always nice to have uh, yeah. a little bit of uh, confession there. <laughs> so what I think I hear you saying is when you started voiceover, you actually started as a full-time endeavor. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I, I felt like, you know, this is it. And I had done it prior to going to work full-time in the um, 8 to 5 world. I had dabbled with it as I when my kids were growing up, I did voiceover, I did on camera on a part-time basis, so I understood the industry and I understood what it was going to take. But to be honest, I think what really scared me off more than anything once I decided I really wanted to make this work was my fear of technology. I just thought, gosh, you know, how, I mean, it's one thing to just walk into somebody else's studio and have them say, you know, okay, go, and, and then they do all the editing and they take care of everything else. But for me, um, I think that was holding me back uh, with my fear of just, can I do this? Can I learn to record myself? Can I learn to edit, to um, put the files in the proper format and get it to, you know, properly? Once I started doing it, I realized, goodness, you know, that really wasn't as fearful as I thought. Why didn't I do that sooner? And so that was probably what held me back the most from, from doing it even sooner. Voiceovers really is a different world than it was 20 years ago. I mean, at the yeah. turn of the century, I, I didn't have a home studio at the turn of the century. Um, oh. Most of us didn't. That was unheard of. In fact, there were rarely any auditions online back then. Um, I think we had email, but I guess nobody really, um, well, by then I had voiceovers.com. I'd had that for a few years because I got right. in very early. Right. But it, it's not like it did me any good back then. People weren't casting mm -hmm. online. They weren't casting by email. I was still going into the agent's office to record something for the client, and I'm sure you were doing the same thing. Oh, absolutely. That's how it went. And, and living in Lincoln, I had to make plenty of round, trip, uh, round trips to Omaha, which was an hour one way. Mm. So I'd get in that car, and I'd go do my audition, and sometimes got it, sometimes didn't. You know, so it was it's very much a different world. Yeah, I got some uh, some big jobs by driving from San Antonio to Dallas, which is five hours, oh. or six, oh. and San Antonio to Houston, and then usually I would do an overnight in market while I was there, yeah. but that's four hours yeah. from San Antonio to Houston, and I can't believe, yeah. now I don't do local work because they make me go there. <laughs> I'm exactly, really. I'm exactly the same way. I'm thinking, uh, if I have to drive to Omaha, there's going to have to be some good money in it, or I'm not doing it. Yeah, we're getting so yeah. spoiled. Okay, so you're yeah, talking about absolutely. when you travel, like uh, travel the world, you come back, you're overwhelmed mm -hmm. with work. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. um, what about the freedom you have on a daily basis to go maybe right. spend a few hours with your husband at lunch or, you know, go do something that you would like to do in the middle of an afternoon? That is wonderful. And I think that the biggest thing that I would recommend to anyone is that the reason many of the time many times you have to look at what is the reason that you want to go into something like this if you want the freedom to do that type of thing then don't lay a guilt trip on yourself when you decide you're going to do it so for me it's like okay I, I you know I, I probably should be in the studio here all day working but gee the reason I'm doing this is so that I can go have lunch with my husband so I've finally gotten to a point where I've given myself permission. If I just plain and simple want to go out for the afternoon and go shopping or whatever and I don't have a commitment to a client, 
I allow myself that luxury, and it is something that I couldn't do if I was working eight to five. So yes. uh, for me, I have found that to be truly um, the, the biggest upside to, to this career is that now that I've given myself permission to do it, it's all about self-talk, then it, it really has become what I would consider a dream job. Because no job, you know, the, the word job means that there is work involved. Yes. No job is going to come without its, its downfalls, its pitfalls, its drawbacks. Everybody, there's times that you just go, oh, you know, I want to chuck it all. I don't want to do this anymore. But by and large, when you compare it to everything else out there, it's such a wonderful thing. And I'm so thrilled that I have that freedom to not be a caged bird and yeah. to literally do what I want to do when I want to do it and not have anybody tell me what to do. And that, that is huge. You know, um, I remember my nephew stayed with me for a few months earlier this year, and I just said, you know, I've got to work. I, I need, I'm not yeah. ever working. And he goes, what do you mean? You're working all the time. And I guess my perspective was, like you said, I feel like I can't take a break because, you know, you're, you've yeah. got a job to do. Um, but one thing that I decided is I'm going to take Fridays off. And oh, so I even yeah. put it on my email that I work Monday through Thursday, 9 to 5. I noticed that. I love now, it. By appointment, I'll work on Fridays, but I want to make Fridays my day. And the secret is, I usually end up doing a bunch of auditions and jobs on Sundays too, but I don't have to because I'm taking a three-day weekend every weekend. Absolutely. And I'm doing that for me because if I end up working to have to work, then I don't have the freedom. And to me, that is the thing I treasure most about yeah. full-time voiceover. Yep. You and what I is are, it? are in agreement. So that, that is what you treasure most as well. Oh, absolutely. The freedom. The freedom to make my own decisions. Yes. Any advice for somebody who has been doing voiceover for a while, but again, just isn't sure about giving up the day job? Mm -hmm. Well, it was interesting when I listened to Bo because he, you know, he really was, was uh, taking a cautious approach, and I think that's very wise uh, for a person who would be the main breadwinner and, you know, that everything hinges on them being able to make an adequate income, I think that's very good advice and, and very prudent. In my situation, and hopefully there are enough people listening in that do have the same situation where, whereby you don't have to be the main breadwinner and it's not going to be a make-or-break situation, if you don't make a certain amount of income each month, then I say go for it as quickly as you can. But I do know a gentleman um, who is raising a family, and he decided to get out of, of full-time radio and decided to just go into full-time voiceover from his home studio and talk about scary. I mean, I really thought, wow, you know, that takes a lot of courage. But nothing is more motivating then than knowing you have to make the money. And so in some right. ways, I feel like if you say, you know what, I really want to do this, this is my dream. If I don't try it, I'll never know, and I don't want to regret that I didn't try it. So I would say I might be on the other end of things saying, you know what, go for your dream. And there's always, you know, Walmart or another job out there if you really have to have a second job. You know, I mean, there's always ways to supplement. Right. And to me, anytime I've ever tried a new venture, it's kind of like, okay, take it till you make it. Now I'm jumping in with both feet and I have to know how to do this. What am I going to do now? And boy, that's really motivating because you know, you, you, you've got a lot of people depending on you. And it seems like when you really have no other options, uh, you, you do what you have to do to make it work. And right. in this industry, we've found out that there are so many avenues 
to um, you know make an income and voiceover that it really is very possible to make it work. You just have to be willing to work very hard in the beginning. You know, plan on putting in very long hours studying and making sure that you understand where your main sources of income will be yeah. um, so that you're not just married to the pay-to-play sites. And it's all about education and, you know, making sure you know where those jobs are. Well, one thing I want to mention, though, is the pay-to-play, that's a totally different world from what Bo Weaver is in. But you actually yeah. can make a living just on pay-to-play. Yeah. There are people doing it. Um, it's Absolutely. nice if you go outside pay-to-play. But this probably is a time where, where somebody can enter that world of voiceover much mm -hmm. more easily than, of course, getting into the union Bo Weaver world right. of voiceover. Getting well, I'll be very honest with everything. you. Oh, yes, I'll be very honest with you, and you and I have discussed this before. I am a non-union talent, and I did probably get the vast majority of my clients when I started doing it full-time five years ago through pay-to-play. And I know my story may be different from most, but it opened up amazing doors for me, and I have so many repeat clients from that. I think the key with pay-to-play, obviously, is being willing to audition out the wazoo until you start getting some clients. But then really, it's customer service. It is bending over backwards to make them happy. I mean, obviously, you don't you know, sell yourself short. But at the same time, making sure that they love working with you so much that they can't help but come back to you. Because it's all about the repeat work. And so for me, it was about, yeah, not only getting that initial job, but making sure that they keep hiring me back for, for subsequent work. And I would say two-thirds of what I do now is, is repeat clients but that was based off of getting them off of pay-to-play. So for me, pay-to-play was a tremendous um, outlet and a wonderful venue. It's, it's a very on. good place to start. I A lot of the clients that I have right now, I got in the same way through pay-to-play. Yeah. And a lot I've been working with for, you know, 30 years. But pay-to-play is not just a wannabe thing. You really can I get agree. good work off of it. I agree. Absolutely. It kind of gets a bum rap sometimes, and I, I'm not sure why, but, you know, why some people are more successful than others, I can't say. Um, I know my experience has been quite positive, and I think it can be very positive. Well, there are uh, some pay-to-play sites that I would not recommend, but I'm not going to do that in person. There's a new one that I would not recommend, and then there's an older one that I would not recommend. So um, obviously, right. we can't go there. But some pay-to-play sites really can be more than worth it for you. Absolutely. I totally agree with that, Julie. We have been talking to Karen DeBoer, who makes a living at home, enjoying the freedom of, well, being able to take the day and go spend time with her husband or whatever she needs to do while she makes a full-time income. And now, the McFadden Minute. Hi. A couple of episodes back, I was discussing choosing your first audiobook to narrate. I mentioned using the Project Length filter at the Audiobook Creation Exchange, or ACX.com, to choose a title of only several hours for your first audiobook project. But that's not the end of the selection process. You should scan the dozens or even hundreds of titles that will come up in your search and read the audition scripts carefully. This is definitely not the time to rush your choice. Unfortunately, ACX shares a weakness with Amazon and its self-published ebooks and Kindle books. There's a lot of dreck to comb through when you're choosing a book to audition. These books tend to be poorly written, and some audition scripts I've reviewed are actually unreadable. Audiobook coach Pat Fraley refers to text not written by Ibsen. Some of these titles appear to have been written by third graders, 
possibly third graders with poor language skills. So take your time. Make sure you choose a book with subject matter that sounds interesting to you, and carefully check the audition script and other titles the author has written. It's worth taking the extra steps. Recently, I completed a four-hour book that quickly became my best-selling title. Hey, my minute's up. I gotta go. You've been listening to the VoiceOver Insider Podcast with Julie Williams. Be sure to join us next week for more VoiceOver Insider information and another edition of the McFadden Minute.